0: Jumbo Fellow Adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley here, waiting for Facebook to load. So I wanted to pick up this magical Monday with uh, pretty much where I left off last week. Uh, and, and that is trying to come up with ideas to contemplate as we go within during these massive upheavals on planet Earth. First the virus, and it's still the virus, and Black Lives Matter and the, the understandable outrage and protests that are going on around the world. This is a time for all of us to redefine. Individually first, collectively second. And it's happening. It's happening before our eyes. It, it is the beauty of our auto-correcting abilities on the fly. A little bit delayed by 400 years, but, but in the scheme of eternity, we're on the right path and we're getting better all the time. So this talk is going to be titled, uh, Spaceship Earth, To Your Positions, Please. And if you remember where I left off last week on Friday with the spiritual tune-up, I was talking about, you know, it doesn't matter which ism that you're coming from, capitalism or socialism being the two main things. What we need to do is strip it to the bones and look at our human Ism, um, and and kind of build from there. And I thought I would come up with uh, another hypothetical, as I did not long ago, where I said, you know, imagine a village of 100 people. Well, this time I want you to imagine that we're going into outer space, just a hundred of us, okay, for good, not coming back. Um, and maybe we're going to colonialize, if that's not a sensitive word these days, Mars, or beyond. And and I want you to understand, as you and I hypothetically put together, the system that will be in place that will make us work together cohesively as a collective is not so much going to be about the rule of law, as a note from the universe said last week, that favors the privileged. But the rule of love, Okay, the rule of love comes first, which is not to say abandon all laws. They're great guidelines, you know, they're ideals, but they don't always fit. And they assume that everything else is equal when nothing else is equal. So you and I and 98 other folks are going to go and, and live happily ever after um, on some distant planet. A hundred people. Now here's some things i want you to think about obviously those hundred people need to represent a little bit of all we have to offer as a species you know not only different colors but you know we would need an artist and we would need a dentist and we would need uh, an accountant and we would need a judge and we would need engineers and we would need scientists okay, this is very simplistic you agree we would need a little bit of everything of every kind of person um, so that we could maximize our potential on Mars, okay a hundred people. That's it We're going to populate we're going to propagate. We're going to you know, we need farmers and seeds and fur babies All right, so what would be some of the most critical things that we would have to protect? amongst ourselves um, Everyone would want to be involved, right? Nobody's going to go there and say, you know, you all work your butt off and I'm going to sunbathe, you know, on the back terrace uh, of my new Martian patio. You know, everyone, you understand, would want involvement, creative contribution. Oh, there's a lot of tangents here. Everyone would want, everyone would also demand individual personal freedoms, okay? Everyone's going to have to have some space. All right. Then we would need some minimum number of rules, call them laws, but it's like, hey, just a guideline, just so that we can all respect one another, so that if somebody gets too carried away in passion or anger, uh, there's uh, there's a mechanism to bring it into check, right? We don't want a lot of laws, but we do need some guidelines, okay? We would need education for our kids, right? We're gonna. Populate this planet for for eternity. So we're gonna need education, teachers, infrastructure. Um, we're definitely gonna want the arts. I already talked about that. Healthcare. Oh, that's a big one. We're gonna need somebody's gonna catch a cold. We're gonna need healthcare, doctors, nurses, a system. And very likely, we're gonna to want to have a community marketplace. You know, somebody's gonna crochet something and, and want to offer it to a bunch of people, and whoever pays the highest price will get it. And somebody's going to write poems and somebody's going to write a book. And, you know, there's going to be a little marketplace, like, you know, like a weekend fair where we all go and trade and share wares. So here, I've set it up. Here are the questions I want you to ask yourself for this little colony of 100 people of which you are an integral, vital component. All right. How are people going to get paid? Hmm. Are we gonna to have to bring our own bank accounts i'm sure you would agree at the outset it's like look this is not about it's not about the money although everyone's going to deserve a little remuneration and incentivization for 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 having freedom and having their space so it's not about the money we're probably going to make sure that everyone gets you know some minimum standard so that everyone can participate in this micro economy and there'll be a range. Not everybody's going to get the exact same. You know, some people might just be more innovative and improve everyone's life. Some people might be more productive. Some people might be more inventive. Some people might be more entertaining. So, so not everyone would get the same. I'm sure you would agree. And But we're not going to have, like, you know, astronomically different pay scales. It's not about the money, right? Life is not about the money, right? It's about... Involvement, contribution, incentive. So there's one question. Think about how you handle that pay. Um, well, I guess what I could say I'm jumping to is it's not gonna be capital capitalism um, without regulation. I mean, you don't need somebody to buy, you know, three lunar modules and somebody else has a little wagon and wheels. It's like, come on, we're all in this together. You know, somebody's gonna be more productive. Everybody's gonna put your name on the building and you're gonna get paid more than everybody else, but it's like, you know. You don't need this, you know, great inequities of income. So how would people get paid? Would you agree that there ought to be some kind of over system that makes sure everyone falls within a range? I bet you would. Number two, there's only two more questions. So um, who pays for the school and the health care? Who pays for schooling? There's only a hundred of us. Not everyone's going to be childbearing, not everyone's going to want a family, but there's going to be some. But wouldn't you agree that it's in everyone's interest for there to be a continuation of life on Mars? And so that probably everyone might contribute to these overall, there's only 100 people. You know, if 10 of them have kids, you're not going to say, no, you have to pay for those kids. They were your decision. I'm out of here. You know, everyone would probably chip in. And because everybody's chipping in, it would be very, very inexpensive. And it would ensure many kind of things. All right, so that's one question. Um, the health care. Who's going to pay for the health care? I think we would be like, you know, look, everybody can put in a little money to the kettle. And if anybody gets sick, you know, we're going to cover you. We're not going to say, oh, you are so sick. You're just beyond help. And, um... And you're not going to say, hey, look, you know, Bobby's been here three years and he's just gotten into this funk of depression. He really misses planet Earth. He refuses to go to work. Would you deny Bobby food, shelter? Would you say, look, bud, you're making some bad decisions and it's on you? Or would you be like, well, what if Bobby's my cousin? What if Bobby's my partner? What if I'm Bobby? Would you say, Bobby, no health care for you, no food for you, no shelter for you. You're going to have to go live on the dark side of the red planet. It's like, we'd be in it together. it be like, when Bobby's hurting, we're hurting. If Bobby's depressed, let's fix it. And if we all chip in, it's virtually nothing. Here's a side, side, side story I wanted to share last week. I was in Switzerland a number of years ago speaking, chatting up the clerk in the hotel, a little teeny boutique hotel in Zurich. She just got the job. You know, she might have been 19 years old. I forget what the number was, but it was in my mind, I remember like 30 or 40 US dollars per hour. That was her starting rate. And there was this interesting, fun interaction, uh, finding out about life in Switzerland and what she does and how the minimum wage was so high. I thought it was insane. Um, But then she found out what I did and she was like, you know, all about it. And she wanted to go. And I told her where the website was. And I said, wow, in an economic environment where everyone is paid a better than decent minimum wage, you know, and it shouldn't be mandated, it should be in our own hearts and souls that we just aren't going to pay people, you know, $7 an hour. Um, When everyone is paid that higher amount, everyone participates in the economy, in the arts, in education, in Mike Dooley's self-improvement classes. It's like everyone's a player. So while businesses might have to pay more to maintain um, entry-level folks in Switzerland or on Mars, those folks then have disposable income and everyone plays and those folks have dignity. Those folks have health insurance. Those folks some things are, are not done that way in the United States and it's no wonder other countries have a higher standard of living and better health care and bigger bills and big problems too there's no one answer but do you see in this little Mars thing we would rethink it all and we wouldn't exclude folks because there's only a hundred people um let's see if I had any other questions all right, and I covered the third scenario what if somebody stops working so to back up the three questions colonizing Mars. Um, how much do people get paid? How would we regulate that? Would it just be a total free-for-all? Some people are making $5 an hour and other people are making $5 million a week? Of course not. Number two, who pays for school and healthcare? We would all agree, if we all chip in, it's gonna be cheaper for everyone. That doesn't mean government should be managing it, but there should be some system in place where there is over an overseer, and if the private market can't do it, then it's, it's gonna be us 100 people, government. Um, and then the third question, what happens if somebody is falls out of the system? Do we turn our backs on them? And the answer is, of course not. But all three of those questions um, are not dealt with the way you and I would deal with them on Mars in the United States and in most countries on Earth. So while, as we move to this whole new world order, where we're going within right now, imagining how life would be, let's rebuild it in our head and forget the isms, okay? Capitalism, socialism, it's like, what does love call us to do? And that doesn't mean there isn't room for individual freedom and incentivization and uh, rewards for creativity and contribution, but it doesn't necessarily mean we would leave people out in the cold, as we have been doing. And it's very easy to put together a system when you make it so simple and small as a hypothetical, you know, colony in Mars. And so I'm inviting you to start building an, in your mind, spaceship Earth. Because we have a few more than 100 people, 7 billion, that's nothing. We're all brothers and sisters. We all deserve dignity. We all deserve respect. We all deserve um, as many chances as we need to get it right, individually and collectively. jumbo fellow adventurers mike dooley great to be with you on this magical tuesday morning Uh, time for a spiritual tune up and this is thanks to a question posted below either on facebook or instagram i forget which but the question was how to transcend ego and while i'm a recovering certified public accountant i happen to have an ego and uh, i think i have a thought about this enough, excuse me, that I definitely want to share what I've come to find. And and that is contrary to virtually all that I've ever heard about the ego. It is not the enemy. It is this really cool facet of yourself that leads you into love and being loved, um, that leads you onto adventures and discovery of truth. It's like, this is your bestie. Okay. But You can't let it run amok, all right? Just like kids, okay? Love my daughter, but I gotta, you know, be the dad. And you gotta be the parent to this little child inside of you who jumps up and down with excitement and who cowers in fear. To explain this, let me begin from the beginning of a lifetime. Uh, I won't go through all the dynamics because much of it I've already shared in earlier tune-ups. We choose our lifetimes. I know that that kind of boggles the mind when you first hear it, but not only did you choose your lifetime, but you chose your parents for the love they would give you or the neglect they would give you. And you knew what you were doing from the zenith of your magnificence. And you made those choices to add to the adventure, to create possibilities, to create probabilities so that you could learn and grow on your terms in areas you wanted to. You might have chosen nurturing parents. You might have chosen neglectful parents so that you could find a strength inside of you that you had never tapped into in all of your other incarnations. So even the adversity and challenges of a lifetime are seen when we choose the stage. We choose the stage, including our parents, time, point in history, color of our skin, everything for reasons of brilliance, love, meaning, and purpose. And whether or not you catch all of the meaning, love, purpose, and brilliance into your choice, you can still know that it had to have existed. So when we choose a lifetime, it is for the adventure of it. It is for the love of the game. It is for falling in love and it is for learning. Okay. And not only do we choose the stage, but we choose the vehicle. I think I'm going to be a white guy. I think I'm going to be bald. I think I'm going to, um, have an inclination towards the, the, arts or to sciences. I'm going to have certain natural born inclinations that will draw me here and that will draw me there and that will complement or contrast the environment that I'm simultaneously going to choose. So based on our desire to learn and adventure and love, we pick our time, place, and parents and everything else about ourselves everything and and then um the game is on and we we witness as our beliefs evolve beliefs that are significantly given to us by our parents beliefs that we will often carry over from other lifetimes Fears, irrational and the like from other lifetimes. We're not a hostage to prior lifetimes. Uh, We have our power in the present moment and we can write the ticket of the, the next chapter of our life in each unfolding second of our lifetime. But there is some stuff that we bring along, good stuff and scary stuff, empowering stuff and limiting stuff, all adding to the adventure, all part of the choice that would lead us to be who we are. So to capture that, I've got three points. We we are led by desire to choose a lifetime with leanings and interest and um, the ambition of growing. Learning lessons through adversity is part of it. So desire is number one. Number two, we, we pick the stage and the parameters. Okay, the background, the family, the time, the space. And that includes, if you will, bringing over passions from another lifetime, fears from another lifetime, uh, constraints from another lifetime that we want to bust through. So desire, parameters that we bring and that we choose. And then lastly, our evolving beliefs. What do you call a vehicle like that? That's got a little bit of past, present and future inside of it. Leanings, desires and passions, beliefs, empowering and disempowering. You call that an ego? You call that a personality? Okay, and and it is the spice of who you are. You are this embodiment of a spark of God that has never existed on in any other point in the past, never will exist again in the future, and you thereby create this treasured window through which divine intelligence can peer out at reality and say, "Whoa, check it out." Mike Dooley sees stuff that no one else has ever seen, and you see stuff that no one else has ever seen, and more, you feel stuff that no one else has ever felt because of your leanings, because of your beliefs, because of the choice of the stage you're on, and call that an ego. Now, why do so many people, and trained and learned psychologists and psychiatrists, And Sigmund Freud, have us believe that the ego is this bad pouting child that creates all kinds of problems. What they're doing is they're they're, they're naming the pouting child, but they're not looking at why the child is pouting. It's not their divinity that's making them pout. It's not their creative desire for growth and expansion that's making them pout. It is not even what they brought from other lifetimes, because we are not held in bondage by stuff that we brought from other lifetimes. It is their limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs pinch, hurt, and scare. Okay, and part of our great adventure in these sacred jungles of time and space is to move from darkness, a.k.a. ignorance, into the light. This is how you realize, you self-realize. Um. So what we want to do, rather than transcend this precious ego that gives God a different view of reality than God has ever had before, we want to prop it up by using introspection and deductive reasoning and contemplative thought, and maybe meditation is another word for all of that, but watch out for the strings attached to most people's definition of meditation, and put our life and desires... And worldview into proper perspective and into context with regard to truth. We are the eyes and the ears of God, here to succeed, pushed on to greatness, here by choice, eternal beings. Whatever scares you is temporary. You are eternal. When we put our understanding of self and reality in the light of truth, that pouting child, otherwise known as our ego, is a giddy excitable boy or girl and wants to go play and play and love and be loved and adventure and grow and scale to the highest summits imaginable and this is what truth does we are blinded by truth upon our arrival because of our beliefs so we work through those limiting beliefs and we have more and more light more and more fun more and more power when we totally self-realize and we understand breath by breath, that we are pure divinity. We are fully in the light. We are fully self-realized. We are living in ecstasy. And hence, the journey of every yogi um, in Eastern religions and the journey of all of us is to ultimately get to that place of self-realization. Just a little caveat here. We are not here to be enlightened. We came from enlightenment. We are here because in the funk of the soup of the Maya of have and have not, and believing in all these lies, it's like game on. You're thrilled. You're terrified. You're emotional. You go high, you go low. That's why you're here. That's the point of life. That is really fun because you always end up on the higher end of the stick. Everyone will prevail. Everyone succeeds. Everyone's playing out their life in the palm of God's hand. And then as we move through all of that ecstasy, the lights are on. We self-realize. Self-realizing was not the goal. It is the natural evolution of conscious consciousness. That's what's going on. Okay, It's not the goal. It's going to happen. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up. Okay, what to talk about next? Well, yesterday I left off um, in a conversation about ego and what our goal is and why we are here in life. And I talked about how our personality and our ego um, is the confluence of many thoughts and many earlier decisions and can be our best friend if we relegate it with truth. In the end of the conversation, I brought up the the point of life. Uh, And I said that the point of life is to live it. It is to be here. It is to explore, to discover, to decide what happens next. It is not love. And too often I feel like uh, love being held understandably in such high regard in this adventure sometimes makes its way to a list of the reason we are here is love Um, and it's all about love and i think that's a a real misnomer and a real misleading way to understand the nature of reality because then all of a sudden you're on this track this track of trying to be more loving um, and being mad at yourself that you're not and thinking that god is withholding love and only gives it to those who behave a certain way and do certain things on certain days Uh, love in that light is something that you can lose love in that light is something you've got to go find um and you know it's just not that exciting and excuse me for saying that and the rest of this talk might put that into perspective but the the point i left off on last night carries over to today We're here for the adventure of it to see what happens because we can, because it's there, because it's fleeting, because it's temporary and we are eternal. It is an adventure. That's why we're here. So to explain love and its equation in all of this, there's two types of love, if you will, for discussion purposes, there's divine love, universal love, the love of God. That's one type of the two. And that type of love, many of you are on board, but many in the world are not, is unconditional, does not need to be earned. You do not need to go to confession. You do not have to choose a particular religion. You do not have to do anything, period. You can veg out, you can be a goody two-shoes, or as you learn your lessons, you might make mistakes and you might hurt other people, you're still adored divine love is truly unconditional, whereas human love is almost always conditional. And some people might think, well, I love you unconditionally. I love you no matter what. If that person lied to you, if that person stole from you, if that person stabbed you in the back with a pen, um, if that person did worse things, would you love them still? And if your answer is yes, well, then you're way ahead of the game. Virtually all love in the human sense is conditional which means it has nothing to do it is not even a distant cousin to divine love which is always everywhere all the time to use that worn out analogy you know it's like it's like a fish doesn't know what water is right well, we don't know what love is because there's nothing but love. I mean, I look out the window at the air, at the trees, at the blue sky, at the moat of dust, at the bobcat and the raccoon this morning that we're tangling. All pure love. It's pure love, pure acceptance, zero judgment forever and ever and ever. All in a dance of becoming, whereas human love too often is is not love at all. It's as Neil Donald Walsh says, it's need. I need you very, very much. Oh, I need you so, so, so much. I can't live without you. I'm not complete without you. That's not love. That's desperation. That's neediness. That's that's not love. Now, we are capable of feeling love. And as our adventures into these exotic illusions transpire and we learn and we grow and you know, love is something that can be part of the equation i mean it's unavoidable divine love we're just showered in love all the time but if you can clue into more love that's already there you don't have to find it you don't have to make it uh you just have to kind of see what's there all the time then the wheels are greased the fun begins there's joy camaraderie here's the key to incorporating love into your life without making something that's lost or a variable or um, something to be found or so conditional the key is this there's an a total correlation look at this infinity symbol on one side truth the other side love the one side truth the other side love truth love truth love the more truth you see in the world the more love you feel real love the greater the truth the more unconditional the love. And it works in reverse. The more love you choose to allow in, that you choose to see, that you choose to feel, the more truth you will experience. Think of falling in love with somebody. They can't do anything wrong. You would forgive almost anything. Um, You just see the goodness in that person. You see the truth. You see the divinity. Because you have let love lead the way and everything is rainbows and unicorns this is good you can aspire to that and it will review reveal more of life's truth to you conversely the more you know somebody you really know them maybe a family member that you wouldn't normally pick to be a best friend but you know them so deeply you just love them you love them so much because truth is love love is truth the more love the more truth, the more truth, the more love, and when you have truth and love unleashed like that, then your discoveries, the fun, the games, um, the adventures, the discoveries—I said that everything is so much better. But it's not a goal, and you cannot get it wrong. You've never been judged; you will never be judged. So. Perhaps this will shed some light on, you know, looking for love or love being the goal. It is not. It's always there. can't avoid it. Divine love. We're bathed in it 24-7. Feel it now. But you'll feel more of it as you clue into truth. And as you ask bigger questions about the nature of reality, who am I? Why am I here? What can I do with my life and how can I do it? You will be connecting dots. The truth will be summoned and attracted. You will... You will get that we are all brothers and sisters. You will get that you are all-powerful. You will totally know that you're an unlimited being of light, an eternal creation, a spark of the divine. And man, will you be in love with everything, everywhere, all the time. This is the ecstasy I referred to last night that is in all the books about yogis and meditation. Their end point is to detach from the entanglement of Maya and be basking in pure truth which is pure love which was there all along unleashing ecstasy jumbo fellow adventurers mike dooley time for another spiritual tune-up on the heels of several spiritual tune-ups that talked about the meaning and the purpose of life and where does love fit in and what about our ego and should we transcend it? Really great great questions posted by you all. Thank you so much. I love your questions. Thanks for the interaction. Every emoticon, uh, every uh, comment, every share is uh, super meaningful and enables me to continue doing this. So thanks for the shares and do ask your questions. It's where I get my talking points. On the heels of talking about purpose and meaning and reality and love and why we're really here. Um, I serendipitously watched a movie last night with my six-year-old daughter that the two of us have probably seen 30 or 40 times from beginning to end. It is one of my top five favorite movies in the history of cinema, and I have a very small um, reach into that. I don't watch a lot of movies, but I love what I love. You know that feeling. And uh, this movie is titled Moana. It is a Disney movie. It is about this young heroine, this little girl who grows up in the South Seas. And it is so filled with profound metaphysical lessons. I just boggle at the divine mind and its role, obviously, in creating this film. Now, it's not known as a metaphysical film, but I'm going to tell you my rationale and my favorite takeaways in just a second here. But it is a movie um, that depicts this young girl, and as she grows into a teenager, looking for her place with passions, with authenticity, with dreams, with desires, with high ideals who is faced with a crisis on the island that she lives on and she sets out to solve this problem. The most stunning thing that recurs in this film, and even after I tell you this, and and maybe you're going to go out and watch the movie Moana, it's still not going to be necessarily in your face how metaphysically powerful and poignant this film is. But the recurring theme in the drama of this young girl's adventure, if you will, is being faced with insurmountable odds. Just like, ain't no way that's going to happen. It's impossible. It's ridiculous to even think about. But yet there's this little voice inside of her that has her step up to the plate and when truly... All hope is lost. I mean, this is the the art of good storytelling. And all of our lives are a story that we're telling and we're living simultaneously. Truly, when all hope is lost, and there's nothing else to do but flail, and what I mean by flail is just show up with the most humble, seemingly insignificant baby steps. And in those moments, this film actually depicts the elements, the universe conspiring on her behalf. I mean, she sees um, a target out in the ocean and she tries to use magic to get there, utterly futile. And then she attempts to swim to this target, which is Looney Tunes, and the ocean helps her. But when she's standing there not doing anything about it, but just believing in the magic, as I share and have taught repeatedly over the last 20 years, being excited about the truth will never be enough to change your life. You've got to live it. You've got to act it. You've got to step into that dream world that is totally contradicted by the physical world around you. This is the name of the game of life. You're here as God, of God, by God, pure God, who willingly decided to forget that you're God, to all of a sudden be feeling like you're mere mortal, against the elements, having to react to the world, completely oblivious to the fact that you are streaming it all into place at that time. Now, the movie does not go that far to recognize that we're all streaming our illusions, but we are. Because there can't be anything that's not God. That means us and the illusions. And we all know that our thoughts influence matter. Scientists are proving this. They literally become the things and events of our lives. And so when we have a dream, no matter what our physical senses are showing us, to the contrary, and we move with it, that reality of the dream gets emboldened exponentially. Do we see the world change? Absolutely not. But you keep on going, and that's the hook. You end up believing and moving and living with your dreams to such a degree that the reality of the dream overtakes and swallows up and annihilates the old reality you had unknowingly created. So, again and again and again in this movie, Moana, she's, you know, it's so reflective of life, a good storyteller. You know, there's there's good times, and it's all going to work out. Then there's really scary times, and it's like doomed. And then it's good again, and you wonder how it could have ever gotten bad. And then it's bad again, and you wonder how it could ever get good. Until you start to clue in, and this is the hook, this is the meaning, this is the reason we're here. That you're at the center of all the goods and all the bads. And one of the final lessons at the end of the movie, without giving away anything, is that while she is engaging the magic through action and baby steps. And while she has found this um, demigod, Maui, she still has not relied on herself until the very end when she has no choice and disaster, imminent disaster is looming. And then, against all odds, in the face of peril, she moves with her dreams and she holds on to that vision and all of the elements conspire. I I dream of meeting the people behind the storyline. I know that there was a team of people who crafted and created Moana, the version that we watch has the documentary of the creation of the film, which is as stunning, even for my six-year-old daughter, as it is for me. But the parallels in life and the most important lessons of act on your dreams in spite of the seeming futility. And forces unknown to you today will conspire and align with your heart's wish. And as you move, giant steps beyond the curtains of time and space are going to be moving for you. Get this. This is the life's hook. Understand it and life becomes easy. Understand it and the lions and tigers and bears ain't no thing because they're of your own creation and they're just prodding you on to go deeper within. Everything is here for you. It's a setup, my friends, a total setup. You're going to blast through. You're going to hit a home run. That's what you're designed for. There is no other alternative. You can sit on the sidelines. You can lament. You're still loved and that day will still come when you realize how powerful you really are and you go on to live a life of unbounded joy and infinite possibilities. Moana. Okay, go watch the movie Moana if you can. I get nothing from this. This is just my passion. It's a movie that parallels life. Look really carefully. Nothing is done for marijuana by the elements or the universe or anyone until she exerts effort herself in the face of daunting odds. We can all do this. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, happy Friday. Welcome back to another spiritual tune-up. So we're going to talk about part two of the sublime drama of your life i know that title caught a lot of you caught piqued your interest and some of you said you know it's about a kid's movie from disney well i hope you saw some of the relevance yesterday but i got so excited about it i didn't really hit all the points that i wanted to hit so let me dive back in um, with a, a little recap and that is that this movie from disney world moana um is one that embraces um, just beneath the surface a lot of metaphysical principles that uh, I found to be electrifying. Uh, I've watched it dozens and dozens of times with my daughter over the last four years. And um, what I was most excited about yesterday is noticing in the movie how there's these cycles and this parallels your life. We all have these cycles. We took this plunge into these sacred jungles of time and space without remembering who we really are, deliberately not knowing, not recalling who we really are so that we could have this adventure, which is otherwise impossible if you remembered that you were everywhere always at once. Um, That these fleeting lies of time, space, and matter um, were just illusions if you just totally knew that from birth Eh, you wouldn't care about anything. You would hold fast to the thoughts in your mind of what you desired and they would all come to pass. But because we don't know that, you know, we, we live behind bars of our own limited beliefs, beliefs that shield us from the truth. And that's awesome if you want an adventure. And then as the adventure, unfolds. You're falling in love. You're loving. You're woo-hooing on top of the mountain. You're going here to there. You went from have not to have. uh, and, And suddenly it's just like this amazing game all triggering your emotions because of the drama, drama. Drama is the ultimate reward for living in these sacred jungles of time and space it's the reward it's the it's the it's the it's what's delicious it's what god was missing when god was everywhere always at once nowhere to go nothing to do um everywhere always at once you want it you got it spontaneous manifestings. what if i could forget and so we see in the movie moana pure drama intuition high ideals and an inborn passion of mysterious origins, hers to be a voyager that all of a sudden turns out to save the world um, through which there's, you know, highs and lows and things are going great. And then things are going terrible. And then things got even worse. And then things were beyond redemption, but she kept the faith. She took some action and all of the elements jumped in on her behalf. So let's rewind, let's apply this to your life. Where are you right now? What are you dreaming? What is your greatest dream? For some of you right now, it's peace and calm and confidence. For others of you, it's uh, you know rocking the world, emerging from this pandemic, flying and sharing and traveling and laughing and really integrated with humanity. Uh, and shining your bright light. That's not less spiritual, that's not more spiritual. You can't be fully spiritual. You're God Almighty. We all are of God, by God, pure God. So what is your big dream right now? To stop the anxiety, to make a million dollars? It's all God, it's all good. What are your big fears right now? The pandemic, getting your groove back on, falling in love, rekindling love, healing, health, recovery. What are your fears? Have you ever noticed that all dreams come with built-in fears? All fears come with built-in dreams. You got a fear, you dream to move beyond it. You've got a dream, there's something scary in the way. As soon as you start moving towards that dream, it's like, oh God. And that's where we start learning and we start loving and we start growing and we start creating and we feel fulfilled. Drama, baby, the name of the game, it's why we're here. It's not love, it's not anything other than drama. You don't even have to be a deliberate creator. That's purely optional. You're gonna be an accidental creator and so why not find out what the mechanics are, push the right buttons, pull the right levers, um, move into truth. It's perfectly okay once the game is on to move into more truth and then life gets easier, you feel ecstasy, and then you get to where you were, everywhere, always at once. You're an enlightened master, effortless living. That, what could be cooler than that? Of course, it would spoil the drama, but we've had enough drama. It's time to wake up and live with, awaken, uh, live with truth. So here are the three takeaways that are revealed so clearly in Moana, you know, with harrowing emotional detail, fears, dreams, drama. Until the end of the movie, she's literally an enlightened master parting the seas. She's gone so far from fear and self-doubt to stepping into her dreams, to overcoming obstacles, to prying away the bars that limited her from her false beliefs, to all of a sudden literally an awakened master. That's what Moana has, it's so good. Like I said though, some of you will be watching this and you'll go watch Moana and you'll be like, I don't see anything metaphysical about that. it's like, well, next time you will. It's there, it's everywhere, life is so romantic. Here are the three things that are revealed again and again in the film Moana by Disney and that show up again and again in your life and that are the absolute golden ticket for you to have those big dreams come true, whether it's stemming off, uh, warding off anxiety, finding peace of mind, self-confidence, a million dollars, a travel partner, you name it, you're entitled to it. All of the above, it's yours. Here's those three things revealed in Moana, proven by your life and something to be thinking about all day today on friday and into the weekend and into the best chapter of your life number one thoughts become things your focus your focus of attention is everything you don't just receive and perceive we think we're perceivers and then we react to the world You're streaming the world. You're like a flashlight in the dark. Oh, there's my backyard. Oh, there's the big tree. Oh, there's my computer monitor. Oh, there's all those beautiful people. I'm creating you as I'm perceiving you. Okay, that's a bit more than is shared in Moana, but focus is everything. The more emotion, the quicker the results, whether it's fear or joy. Number one, thoughts become things. This girl has a dream. She follows her intuition and those dreams become the things and events of the whole movie number one is focus number two you'd never get this but it's like the biggest oh yeah of course number two she is and you are we all are profoundly inclined to succeed we think life is difficult and hard and God is angry and people are mean and what are the chances of you having a million dollars? What are the chances of you overcoming anxiety? What are, the, what are the odds? Looked at it like that, it's terrible. But if you take stock of your life and realize you laugh more than you cry, you smile more than you frown, you have friends more than you're alone, you have confidence more than you're terrified, you have money more than you're broke, you have health more than you're sick. It's like, it's crazy how inclined we all are to to succeed and you see it again and again and again in moana there's no 50 50 shot if she goes out into the ocean she might die or she might survive she goes out and crushes it as you've been going out and crushing your life your whole life long give yourself credit look at these simple things and look at the big dreams and look at the things look at the times when you made these stunning comebacks and you didn't think it would be possible look at the times you were sick and you got into health again. Look at the times when you were lonely and brokenhearted and you moved back into love and friendship. We are all inclined to succeed. It's our natural state. When we get out of our own way, we cannot be stopped. And we see this in the film of Moana. Like all good films and all good stories, they resonate with us when there is success. Because that is our nature. It's not just optimism. So number one, thoughts become things. Number two, you want it, you're going to get it. Okay, just know you're inclined, you're pegged. It's like the world is a big cheat. It's a setup. It's a scam in your favor. Everyone here is a secret agent placed by divine mind to help you get your groove on better, quicker, faster. Even the ones that don't seem like they're good agents, they're good agents. Number three, this is... You move a little in spite of self-doubt. You take a baby step in spite of fear. You take some action, even though you don't know how you're gonna get to the place you dream of going, whether it's overcoming fear or making something wonderful happen. You take a little step and the universe takes 10,000 on your behalf. You take another step, now you got 20,000 steps in the magic on your behalf. You take three steps, 30,000. Do you see any of these? None, none. You don't see the miracles until after your dream comes true. Throughout Moana and her personal dramas and journey and throughout your life, past, present, and future, you take a little step, even in self-doubt, even when you don't believe in yourself, Even when you don't believe in yourself, all of the elements conspire on your behalf. You keep going, they keep going. Don't judge your journey by your physical senses alone. Those three things to rock any personal journey and to fall in love with the drama as you move towards truth. Thoughts become things. You choose your focus, you choose your thoughts. They become the things and events of your life. Number two, you're inclined to succeed, which means your positive thoughts are more powerful than your negative thoughts. So if you worry, don't worry that you worry. You're inclined to succeed. And number three, you take action, the universe takes massive action. You take a little step, the universe takes 10,000 steps. You stop, it stops. Thoughts become things. Your positive thoughts are way more powerful than your negative thoughts. You're inclined to succeed. You were born to thrive. Look at your life. It's true. It's proof. It's true. And number three, you act and the universe acts. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course... If you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!